0: Let's dive into this.
1: Season three of the Habit Podcast coming at you with a brand new team.
2: I'm
0: Zan Bruel. I'm Paige Berg. And I'm Lexis Gordon. We are the Habit team. The Habit is a nutrition coaching company made for women by women. Our program is built for you with coaches who put your goals, lifestyle, and personality first. To learn more, head to the episode notes or go to thehabit.com, and that's Habit with a Y, to book a free consult. And I do just want to add a little bit of a disclaimer um, to this episode. We are not experts on anything really, on nutrition, exercise, or pregnancy, right? We are just sharing our own personal experience and research that I know I've done um, and things that I've learned along the way. So they're really just us sharing, um, you know, the experiences that we've gone through. And so please always consult with a doctor, specifically an OBGYN if you're pregnant. Um, and just take it, you know, with a grain of salt that everything I'm I'm kind of sharing is just what I'm going through personally and what we know from uh, the other clients that we've had as well. So So Lexis, on that note
1: Tell everyone what we're discussing today.
0: Yes. So this episode (laughs) today is all about pregnancy and macros. Um, Also, we're going to include a little bit um, for those trying to conceive and also women who maybe had just had a baby and are breastfeeding and are looking to either start up macros or continue macros if they've already been counting. So lots of baby stuff going on today. It's very relevant for me. Um, So I know I'm definitely excited and I have a lot to say, so I can't wait.
1: Honestly, I'm excited. I feel like I'm going to learn more from you about this topic than anything else. Mm
0: -hmm. Ooh, I
2: hope so. Agree.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never tried to conceive and I'm nowhere near that,
0: so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then do everything opposite of what I'm going to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Perfect. Okay. (laughs)
2: Yeah. No, I, I just want to say before we dive in, when Lexus was like reaching out to Zan and I and, you know, wanting to coach and had like an interest in coaching for habit, she kind of nailed it on the head of wanting to focus a little more in this area, which I just instantly loved her for because I think it's an area that Christina and Nat and myself hadn't experienced yet. Um And we're even close to experiencing. But I think it's so pertinent because we are a company for women by women. And this is a huge part of a woman's life if she chooses to have children. So I just really appreciate your excitement behind it and wanting to kind of bring in a new audience because it's totally possible to still track or not to track when you're pregnant. So we can't wait to hear
0: more about it. I am so excited, and I can't wait to share everything that I have gone through this far. Um, For those that don't know, I am 34 weeks tomorrow, so six weeks from my due date. It is going by so fast, Um, so I will definitely take you kind of down what I've been going through in terms of the pregnancy, but first, we're going to start with some tips for women who are trying to conceive, just to kind of start out um, there, and then we'll move on to the pregnancy bit.
2: Love it. I have had just, I think I've, yeah, I've definitely been coaching. I was like, have I been coaching longer than you guys on habit? (laughs) Yeah, I have. (laughs) Uh, Hello. (laughs) Maybe not in life, but (laughs) Um, I've had quite a few clients come to me asking about this, Um, you know, what am I supposed to be doing? And can I still be tracking? And should I be doing anything differently? Um, The answer immediately is go run and talk to your doctor, whether you're trying to conceive, which I found out is TTC for short. (laughs) (laughs) And um, that's the first step is go talk to your doctor. The second step is understanding what you're really looking for out of this, right? Like we're not as coaches going to put anybody in a deficit, especially if you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant. Um, you know, I think just making sure you have the right nutrients and, um, the proper fuel to get you there is so important. Um, but yeah, I think it's so relevant. I've had probably, 40% of my clients either get pregnant or want to be pregnant and come talk to me about it. Um, And we've really worked through it. So it's a really exciting time. Um, But yeah, we definitely are wanting to make sure that you have, you know, the right support right now because it is a little bit different in terms of how we calculate. So even just taking a more like 30,000 foot view, just some like quick quick stats for you. Um, Fertility issues affect up to 15% of couples actually, which is, I feel like less than I thought it was, but I just feel like it's all you see on Instagram nowadays. And it's probably like my generation and growing up and um, being more open with what we're talking about. But Luckily, the good news is that there's ways to increase your fertility and become pregnant faster with um, diet, exercise, lifestyle changes. Um, and actually, I think Lexis, you found this that it can boost fertility up to sixty nine percent, which is amazing. so exciting. Yes, that's incredible. And Paige, completely
1: amazing. I wanted to chime in here because I remember you telling me that you had a couple of clients who got pregnant and their immediate uh, response to you was, hey, I have to stop my program because I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. And of course, every situation is different, but Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this episode provides more information to those trying. And if they do get pregnant to know, like you can 100% still do our program and track your macros. And so that is what I really wanted to point out because you definitely don't have to stop
2: once you are pregnant.
1: Absolutely. And we're
2: here to support regardless of the phase of your life that you're Mm -hmm. in really. So Lexis, can you explain
1: a couple of more ways, um, natural ways that you can boost fertility, especially for those who might be struggling a little bit to get
0: pregnant? Absolutely. So um, PCOS is a hormonal issue that a lot of women go through. Um, It's a really large cause of infertility. And so one thing that People who are suffering from PCOS should do is eat a really big breakfast. Starting your day off with a big breakfast can really help. Um, another thing would be to choose high fat dairy. So stay away from like the low fat, um, yogurts, things like that, you want to eat really, really high fat contents, um, which I think that's awesome. So, (laughs) And another thing too um, that you could try is to cut back on the caffeine. Um, There have been some studies that have shown high caffeine intake to infertility. And so um, I know a lot of people that I know who are um, doing IVF and things like that, they cut caffeine completely from from their day, which would be a challenge, but of course, if it if it works, it works. And then the last thing I want to touch on is establishing a really consistent but low impact exercise routine. So I know for me and for Zan, and I think Paige too, uh, we all love like high intensity style workouts, weightlifting, things like that. And unfortunately. Excessive high-intensity workouts have been linked to infertility, Um, and so I know that a lot of fertility doctors will advise women to kind of switch up their routine and focus on something consistent. They still want you working out because that's going to keep your stress levels low and keep you healthy, but um, maybe things more like Pilates or um, yoga walking, things like that. So you're still getting your body moving, but it's just not going to be this constant spike in, um, your, they don't want you to spike your cortisol basically. Mm -hmm. So they just don't want you being like crazy, crazy, crazy. And so that, um, I know is a shift for a lot of people to kind of switch their routine, but that is definitely something that I know can help boost fertility. So those are the top four things that, um, I think are really great to do. Um, I do have a question. So why, why higher fat? how is that going to benefit? Well, it's going to keep your blood sugar level. And um, I, there's a lot of other studies that the, that I actually found a really awesome study. It wasn't really geared towards the fat issue. It was more geared towards carbohydrates. But I found this awesome research from a reproductive doctor named Jeffrey Russell. Um, he basically wanted to see, he was having recurring failed IVFs um, with, with some of his patients. So he was finding these young, healthy women with great BMIs. They were very active, um, but for some reason they were having recurring failed IVFs and it was due to poor egg and embryo quality. And so he was trying to figure it out and he didn't understand. And so he asked them to start tracking their diet. And once he saw all the things that they were tracking, he discovered that the majority of them were eating over 60% of carbs and less than 10% protein, which mm-hmm. when I read that, I was like, that must be a typo. <laughs> 10% ten percent protein? I mean, that's insane. Yeah. That's so low. And so, you know, he was asking them what they were eating. It was like oatmeal for breakfast, bagels for lunch, like just so many <laughs> carbs. And he decided at that point to ask them to eat Way higher protein, fewer carbs, and like a moderate fat content. Um, and what he found was astounding. Once the women hit their threshold of a 30% or more protein and 40% or less carbs, they had four times the pregnancy success rate of those who continued to eat the higher carbs and lower protein. So four mm-hmm. times is such an incredible you know, shift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So-
2: The ten percent protein was probably me before I started tracking. So, oh my god, Paige, I was literally
1: just gonna (laughs) say, like, aside from just pregnancy topic, like, this is a reoccurring issue with like every. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to generalize that that broad but a lot of women struggle to eat enough protein i mean Mm -hmm. nine out of ten times any new client that we sign up when we have them like kind of pre-track their days and compare them to the macros we give them i mean it's probably half the amount of protein that they should be eating and oh yeah carbs are the easiest to eat and the most fun Mm -hmm. to eat so those are always the highest so that is not (laughs) abnormal um when i did see that stat
0: yeah yeah, it is definitely eye-opening. And so he kind of came up with the ideal um, macro range for trying to conceive. And of course, this is very individual. Um, I know that there are a lot of clients that we have that have specific health concerns. And if you're eating a certain way because of something that's going on with you, that's totally fine this isn't like this isn't a one size fits all it's just he mm-hmm. found that when he gave kind of this macro guide to a lot of his clients that they were having major success with getting pregnant so the ideal range was about 30% protein 35% carbs 35% fat so if you look at that that is a pretty high fat, um, you know, content. So going back to Zane, your question, um, uh, I think it's just more sustainable and I think it's just better all around to focus on like really high fat um, dairy and things like that mm-hmm. to include. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah. great to, you know, show our
1: listeners to one, not be afraid of fat. As soon as you see that word fat, I feel like it's so stigmatized, but really mm-hmm. like the fat macro is like its sole purpose is to keep our hormones level, our hormone function level. So it is exactly. so, so important, especially for women trying to conceive. You want your hormones um, within range and not all over the place. And
0: so fat exactly. are really going to help with that. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And I was going to say, just like if you are having a consult with your doctor and he comes back and he recommends an even higher fat count or depending on your situation, Um, you know, higher carbs. Like there there is a world where a lot of this can happen, but it it typically is in that range. Like Lexus was mentioning, Um, we are flexible, right? Like we're here to work with you and your doctor to see how we can make the right breakout for you. So um, just to note like fats, again i think get a bad rap because they are so dense right they're 9 calories per gram as opposed to your 4 um calories per gram for carbohydrates and fat and excuse me protein so fats are just going to look more you know scary in the grand scheme of things <laughs> because they're just that much more packed um with calories so just a note um that's that's kind of where the fat stigma I think comes mm-hmm. from but you guys that is flavor do not be afraid yes. of it oh my gosh oh. <laughs> so true I cooked my bananas in butter this morning for my oats so wait I've I've amazing. told you guys I
1: use the grease from like my bacon to put into my pancakes it is love you for oh that. a my God. game changer that's, so just that know that is me. flavor and don't be afraid
2: of it <laughs> I just salivated <laughs>
0: Incredible. I know. I'm so I hungry, know. and it's not even <laughs> dinner time yet. It's oh, 5 o'clock there. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it is dinner time. Segwaying, um from the trying to conceive into more of, I guess, the pregnancy category. And of course, I'm just going to, again, share my personal experience. I'm 34 weeks tomorrow. This is my first baby. Um, and I'm just going to lightly touch on kind of the first trimester. Just, I'm There really isn't much to talk about other than the fact that I was sick for seven weeks straight. Um, for those that don't know, about 80% of women suffer from some sort of vomiting or morning sickness. Now, I don't understand why they named it morning sickness because the secret here, guys, <laughs> is it's not just the morning. It's all day sickness it can come at night it can come during the day or it stays all day like it did for me um for me it felt like a combination of being seasick and like the worst hangover i've ever had oh my god and it was just constant from the second i woke up to the second i went to bed so I think you have to just give yourself grace, um, the first trimester trying to focus on your nutrition. Uh, for me, it was challenging because I do count macros and I do love eating whole, good, delicious vegetables. And like, at that point it was survival mode, right? It Mm -hmm. was, what can I stuff in my mouth before I leave the bed so that I don't, feel like I'm going to die all day long. (laughs) God. Um, And so it was crackers. It was bagels. It was peanut butter toast, four slices. I mean, it was just... It, it was what it was. And I, you have to just understand that the main focus is keeping your food down and getting those calories in for you and your baby. Um, there's a lot of growth that happens in the first trimester. Believe it or not, there's actually the most amount of growth in the first trimester. Um, the baby is just like multiplying and multiplying. And it just, it's, it's a lot of development. And that's why you get so sick in the beginning. Um, and so I just want people to know if you're in the beginning stages of your pregnancy, And you're maybe a macro counter or someone who usually eats really healthy, just understand that you can't be down on yourself and hard on yourself for not being able to do the things that you typically would do because it will pass, it will get easier. But the first trimester for most women is really freaking hard. And it's just, it is what it is. You just have to kind of roll with the punches.
1: First off, Thank you for getting me so excited to get pregnant one day, (laughs) (laughs) Lexus. So exciting. But the reason why we're highlighting this is because, like Lexus said, give yourself grace. Like, really, if you are experiencing this nonstop sickness, do not add extra stress by trying to track your macros because some days it's just not going to be possible. And that is totally Mm -hmm. okay. because what we learn throughout our program at The Habit is that you can't be perfect every day. It's just about being consistent. And um, obviously, in the first trimester, you know, you got to just survive,
2: apparently.
0: Right. 100%. <laughs> no, it's, it's real. You really do. Okay. So let's move on here to then my second trimester. At a, it was honestly the craziest thing because at 13 weeks, I just woke up one morning and felt completely normal the so nausea just weird. disappeared and i was like oh my god this is amazing i feel like myself <laughs> i'm going to go eat my pantry <laughs> oh it was so good and so at that point i said okay listen like i love macros i love the feeling of having that empty puzzle at the beginning of my day i love creating recipes i i just love everything about it for me it is not daunting it is not this big awful thing that i have to do every day that i you know, don't look forward to. And so as soon as I started to feel better, I was like, I'm going to begin tracking again. Of course, I'm not preparing for my wedding or doing anything crazy. So I'm loosely tracking. I would say probably four to five days a week at this point, I was tracking and trying to hit my numbers as best as I could. And then I'd have a few days where I would kind of just not track. Um, that just worked for me at that point. So At that point, again, I'm in my second trimester and I started to add in um, about 200 to 250 calories above my maintenance numbers because at that point I'm starting to grow a little bit. The baby's getting bigger and that is just what they kind of recommend. We'll get into that a little bit later, um, the amount of calories that are kind of recommended to add in as you get farther and farther along in your pregnancy. When you say like 200 to 250
2: calories, can you break it down to like carbs, fat, protein for our
0: ladies? Yeah. So for me, I, to be quite honest with you, I don't think I've changed my protein in like probably a year and a half. I mm-hmm. always just pretty much stick to like 130, 135 grams of protein just because that's like my sweet spot and that's what mm-hmm. I like. Um. So I added in strictly uh, carbs and fat for me. Great. For So I would say like every week to two weeks I'd add in like, you know. I don't know, 20 extra grams of carbs and 10 extra grams of fat. And then like a, a week later, I would do more. So it was kind yep. of just a slow and steady increase. Um, but again, if, I just felt like I was eating enough protein at that point. And of course, you have to understand mm-hmm. that my workouts, of course, were less. They were being modified. Right. I wasn't doing things as intense. So I didn't feel as though I needed to up my protein only mm-hmm. because that was like kind of my sweet spot anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really craving like more carbs and things like that. So I was upping the carbs and fats. And then, kind of just keeping my protein at my usual maintenance Great. protein.
1: Well, that's kind of a you know a testament to what that doctor said. How um, he prescribed the percentages, protein was actually lower than carbs and fats, mm-hmm. and so it seems like that is the most beneficial way to go.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um, and then in terms of my workouts, I kind of ramped them back up. I wasn't really working out the first trimester at all. I'd be lucky if I'd get some like a body weight workout in maybe once a week. It was it was bad, guys. It was oh. my my step count was like. I don't even know, 3,000 a day if I was lucky. It was bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then really, I think I just learned to, you know, everyone's biggest question, I feel like, around pregnancy is, what are you craving? Like, what are you eating? (laughs) Tell me all the weird stuff, you know? And I think that I gave into my cravings within reason, right? Like, am I gonna go and eat McDonald's every day because I feel like I want it? No, but I actually didn't really even crave that. I will tell yeah. you, I had a few cravings. Um, I was really craving subs like sandwiches with, with salt and vinegar chips, um, like toasted subs and baked, <laughs> baked potatoes with sour cream um, and a lot of fresh fruit. So I had some random cravings, yes. And I, and I ate them when I felt like it, but mm-hmm. pregnancy- it's not a free pass to eat like shit for nine months, right? <laughs> it's just not. Um, it's not good for you. It's not good for your baby and you're gonna end up feeling sick. and it just isn't the isn't the way to go. Mm -hmm. So um, I was really lucky. I didn't have any food aversions. I know a lot of women. um, I have a few friends right now who are in early pregnancy who have messaged me kind of secretively saying, oh, my God, I can't (laughs) stand the sight of chicken. It's making me throw up. Like, what do I do? And I felt so lucky because I still I was able to eat all my normal foods throughout the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Um, I kept my prior uh, my protein a top priority, Mm -hmm. um, but again, I didn't add any more in. I just kind of always keep it at that sweet spot, like 130 grams, and I definitely upped my water. Other than that, um, I just kind of rolled with it and just kept focusing on eating the things that I loved and giving the baby what it wanted. Again, in moderation, if I felt like eating a box of candy one night, I did, but I just didn't do it every single night. I just, you know... um, I wanted to feel like I wasn't depriving myself from that pregnancy experience that everyone kind of talks about And oh, this is the one time in your life you got you get to eat what you want. And yes, you can, but also why would I want to fill my baby with all of that junk, right? Mm-hmm. And So it was kind of this balancing act of eating what I wanted to eat and eating mm-hmm. what the baby wanted to eat and also just kind of keeping my usual diet in check and just eating things I know that are good for me. So, yeah. What about
2: like iron? I know that's like so important. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you upped like red meat at all or did you just rely on supplements for that?
0: So, I um I don't eat like tons and tons of red meat. I'd say yeah, I I I pretty much relied on my prenatal vitamin for that. Yeah. Um I I had actually been taking prenatals before I got pregnant. Um it just I was told by my OBGYN that they were better so I was already taking those which have like a huge amount of iron in them so I yeah. personally did not however it's funny because I know a lot of women um who don't ever eat red meat. And then when they get pregnant, their body is so low in iron that they crave it like in a weird way. Like they want steak every single day and they're like making their husband go buy them bacon, all that like just crazy, crazy (laughs) stuff. And that's like their body is like screaming at them being like, feed me iron, you know? I was like, sign me Um, up for that part. I'll take bacon every day. I know. (laughs) I know, right? I know. But yeah, so for me, I didn't Noticed that a ton, but I definitely, I would say I eat red meat a few times a month for sure. Just not like daily or anything like that. Yeah. That was the second trimester. I feel like that's the easiest trimester. You breeze through, you have plenty of energy, you feel pretty much normal. You're starting to kind of grow. My belly was growing, but nothing, nothing like the third trimester guys, let me tell you. So, (laughs) um, the third trimester comes and I'm still, uh, working out Quite a bit. I I would say five to six days a week on average. I'm starting to have to modify things in the third trimester because my belly is getting bigger. You really want to avoid any exercises that put a lot of pressure on your core, um, because that can cause ab separation, which is very, very challenging to fix afterwards. So you kind of want to nip it in the bud and avoid it if possible. So subbing out things like, you know, no, um, mountain climbers, no planks, no pushups, anything that's putting that constant pressure on your core, which is a bummer, but, um, I just had to do it and, I bounce on my exercise ball a lot. That helps. The yoga ball is really good for back and it's hip so pain. It's so cute. I love it. it. Cuz you start to get you start to get those aches and pains as you get bigger and things just aren't as comfortable. And so now 34 weeks um in terms of my nutrition I'm eating my normal food. I just crave the things that I always have craved. And um, I feel really good on days when I hit my numbers. I would say, again, I'm, I'm probably hitting my numbers and tracking about five days a week, uh, maybe six. And then there's definitely one or two days a week where it's I just don't even care to track. Um, it's just a really nice balance for me right now. I feel like I'm in control. But I also am, again, just kind of rolling with it and letting my body... Have what it wants, and yeah. I just had like a five thousand calorie In and Out meal this past weekend, and it was just the most magical thing I in the know, world. It was so much fun! I know I was oh, drooling was, over
1: your Instagram stories. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was so fun, and we had such an adventure because obviously, like, we're not going out right now, but we did go pick up In and Out, like you know, through the drive through, and it was like the best thing because <laughs> we hadn't, we were like, we haven't driven on the freeway in five weeks. <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, <laughs> and and I a funny weird random tip is that I actually have never had Chick-fil-A what? And I, I don't know why I, I don't. I just called it a tip. It's not a tip. A really random fact about me, I guess, is that I've never had Chick-fil-A. And so, of course, as I'm eating in and out, I'm like, babe, next weekend we're doing Chick-fil-A. And so we're already like planning out our untracked Chick-fil-A meal. And I'm like trying to figure out what the best things are to order. Honestly, um, Chick-fil-A is so macro-friendly yes. if you do it right. Oh, my God. The grilled nuggets are like 35
2: grams of protein. I don't know what, five grams of fat and no carbs. What?
0: But I don't want yeah. the grilled nuggets, girl. I want the fried uh, nuggets. Okay, so you're going like... I'm going on. like... Got it. No tracking. What do I eat at Chick-fil-A? That's the absolute worst for me type of thing. <laughs> Got it.
2: But I, mean, I you should it. go for the classic like crispy chicken sandwich, then. Yeah. I think that with the waffle fries, the crispy Waffle fries ones, and a strawberry oh, yeah. shake, for Ooh. sure. And then Ooh, get
1: okay. every single dipping sauce that they have, because yes. that's what everyone yes. raves over is their sauces. So They're you have amazing. to just get them all. Ugh.
0: Okay, yep. so am I like... Because when I tell people I've never had Chick Fil A, they look at me like I'm an alien. Is that? Yeah, I would say you're an alien. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So so, anyways, I'll keep you guys posted on my Chick Fil A meal this weekend. I can't. Um, I'm so excited already. But I just think that's such a great kind of tie-in to saying, like, again, I feel like I've had a really healthy pregnancy. Um, I'm, I'm working out almost every, now that I'm at home, I'm working out every day. I'm doing home workouts from home every day with my husband in the morning. It's really fun. I'm getting in because of our step challenge. I'm getting in like (laughs) 10 to 11,000 steps every single day. It's starting to get hard. It is, um, I'm feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of pain and all these other things that happen, but I'm still prioritizing my health. And I just feel like this pregnancy for me has been such a beautiful balance. Like I do enjoy... Fast food once in a while or whatever it is that I'm in the mood for, but I still am able to keep my macros in check and feel like, okay, for the most part, I, I have a hold of this thing and I'm healthy and I'm fueling my body and my baby and I'm, she's growing. And I just feel like you can do both. You can have a healthy Mm -hmm. pregnancy and also still enjoy the things that you want to enjoy, it just, it's all about the balance. Right. And I just yeah. feel like it's, it's been really awesome for me because I didn't know in the beginning, if it would be right for me to track macros or if people would think that I was crazy for wanting to do that. And I'm just like, why not? Yeah. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm.
2: I've yeah. loved it.
0: And it's been so awesome. So I'm really
2: happy. What would you say? Like, I guess diving a little bit deeper on that, like for people that might be in the camp of like, Oh my God, why would you ever do that? what would you say
0: to them like where where is your like point of view well i think tying in the current situation of where we're at is also i'm going to do that as well because for me right now being 34 weeks pregnant during a quarantine where we literally can't leave our house we don't know when the next you know we don't know what's coming next nothing's in our control so for me counting my macros during this time it makes me feel like I am in control of something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is my life. I get to choose the things I'm eating. I get to make the recipes I want to make. And that – Makes me yeah like I and I hate to say that because I don't want to sound like a control freak, but I I like to feel like I'm in control Mm -hmm. of the things I'm doing, and so for me that's what macros has done. It creates food freedom. I I enjoyed that in and out meal. I it was amazing, and then the next day I woke up, went right back to my normal stuff, had my normal breakfast, tracked my meals, everything was great. I had extra energy for my workouts because of all the carbs and sugar, and it was just I didn't feel that. Overwhelming guilt that I used to feel after meals, and I didn't feel like I had to punish myself. And so, for for me during pregnancy, I just feel like I know what I'm putting into my body every day is good for me and it's good for my baby. Mm -hmm. And why not, you know, do it in a way that. I'm able to track what I'm eating. It just, to yeah. me, it just, it. there's no reason not to. Yeah. Um, but that's also because, you know, I had been doing it for years prior and I love it. It's not a chore for me. It's something that um, brings me happiness and brings me after having, you know, years of disordered eating, it's what makes me feel centered and mm-hmm. in control and not out of control. Like I want to binge on everything. Right. Um, it just brings me to mm-hmm. the center. I don't know. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're like a perfect example of,
2: someone that's tracking, and not doing it to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's such a stigma with macros. Exactly. And like you're doing it to feel healthy and to feed you and your baby to the best that you can. Mm -hmm. And it's just having that next lens on your nutrition. It's not being obsessive about losing weight or being a certain Mm -hmm. size or not gaining X amount of weight during your pregnancy. It's just to feel really fucking good. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I was going to piggyback on that and
1: say, I mean, whenever the day comes that I am having a baby, um, like my, honestly, my biggest fear is gaining 50, 60, Mm -hmm. 70 pounds, right? Like, cause that also isn't going to be the best route for your baby. And for me, you know years and years ago when I struggled with weight in college, like macros was my savior. And so now it's a tool for me to stay on track. And so I don't think I'm Mm -hmm. gonna think any differently about macros when I am pregnant. It's ultimately just going Mm -hmm. to keep me on track and to ensure that, you know, my baby's gonna be as healthy as possible. So I don't think it's crazy at all. Absolutely
2: not. No. I couldn't agree more. And all of that is to say like you do you. Yes, whatever. Exactly. Pregnant or not, like You do you. It's your body. It's your choices. I'm just, I I could preach it all day. (laughs) Yes. I think that's
1: a really good segue into kind of talking about different pregnancy myths that are out there because we hear things all the time. But you know, unless we're actually pregnant, speaking with a doctor, whatever it might be, we can be easily misinformed. And so um, Lexus has kind of compiled a great list of different myths that we want to chat about briefly, just so that you guys know not to be fooled by these things if you do hear or see them out there.
0: Okay. So there are, let me tell you, there was like 15 I wanted to include, but the girls (laughs) made me cut them down. So we have our four um, top health related pregnancy myths. Okay. These are important guys. So listen up. The first one that I want to touch on is this eating for two idea, right? How many times have you heard that? Oh, you're pregnant. You're eating for two. How awesome. Uh, no, you're (laughs) not eating for two guys. I, I hate to break it to you. It's just, it's just not true. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so what I had kind of talked about earlier was that I was going to tell you each trimester, break it down, how much um, you should increase your calories. And this is uh, a guide from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, uh, their recommendation So basically for the first trimester, you are not required to add in any extra calories. Okay. So again, this is survival mode. Just eat what you can. If it's bread all day, it's bread all day. That's fine. So you don't need to be worried about adding anything in. Once you reach that second trimester, which is about 13 and a half weeks, they recommend approximately 200 to 300 calories a day above maintenance. So You can do this all in one, you know, all in one swoop and just add in 200 calories one day, or you can slowly start to add in, you know, 50, 100 calories per week until you feel like you're comfortable. And then at that third trimester, they recommend, um, about three to 400 calories above maintenance. So this is a personal choice. Again, I'm 34 weeks. So I'm, you know, I only have six weeks to go until my due date. I have not, continued to add in more and more as I've gone on. I I said I had added in about 250. I spoke with my doctor about my weight gain. He thought that it was perfect. The baby is growing perfectly. She's right on target for like an average baby size. And so for me, with my activity levels being stuck at home, I genuinely didn't feel that I needed to add three to 400 calories in Um, That's a personal thing. Please discuss it with your doctor. It just depends on where you're at and maybe what your blood pressure is like. And if you've maybe, maybe you have gestational diabetes, so you need to keep your calories at a certain level. There's just so many factors here I don't want um, you to take this super personal. I would really like for you to talk to your doctor just because everyone is different. This is just the recommendation for, as you keep get you know, getting farther in your pregnancy, if you, you will notice that you get really hungry. And so that's, I think where, you know, your baby is kind of sucking a lot of energy from you. And so it's okay to, you know, go up to that three to 400 calories at that point in the third trimester. Um, I do just want to say really quickly the weight gain. I I could do a whole nother podcast (laughs) on just the, um, the mental piece to gaining weight. It is very challenging. Um, it is emotionally draining on a lot of people, especially if there's a past with disordered eating, you are literally seeing your body change every single day. I take photos of my belly every day because I can't wrap my head around the fact that it's bigger the next day and then the next day and the next, and it's like, what the heck is going on? And a lot of times it's scary for women. And this is not a time to be dieting ladies. It's just, it's not. And I know that it's scary to see you changing, but just please don't restrict any calories. Don't go into a deficit at this point. If you are pregnant, I really just, want to emphasize that it's 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 just not a good time for you to be focusing on like trying to lose weight or seeing the scale go down. You're, the scale is going to go up. Let me tell you, like every woman is different. Some women gain 10 pounds. Some women gain 70 pounds. It just depends on you. And as long as you're doing everything that you can to be healthy, I just want that to be the focus. And just please, please don't focus on the number because it can be really unhealthy if you try and lose weight during this time. So the second one, I
1: actually am really interested in this one because um, we hear a lot that when you become pregnant, you can't do the same workouts that you were doing before, like weightlifting, like running, like um, high intensity interval training. But um, I'm just I want to know more about this because I have literally been in CrossFit classes where a woman is due in like two days and she's freaking back squatting like like no other. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) When she like gets, a beast. When she would get down <laughs> to terrifying. the bottom of her squat, I'm like, that baby is about to pop out. Like, it was insane. <laughs> but I was oh, like, yeah. hell yeah. I'm going to be that badass pregnant woman just like that. That's and amazing. then um, for those of you who don't know, like, I'm um, an Orange Theory instructor as my second job. And then I have pregnant women in my classes up until their due date as well and so i already know this is a myth but i do want to
0: like learn a little bit more so um what did this one exactly say so basically that is yeah it's very common for you to hear or i'll see all the time women in uh, pregnancy groups or on facebook saying you know i really want to work out but i i know it's not safe for my baby or my doctor told me i can't which i don't know what doctor they're going to because it is not true basically you can do almost anything that you were doing before. Now, what the doctor does not want you to do is to go out and start a brand new workout routine. So if you've never done CrossFit in your life and then you become pregnant, do not join a CrossFit gym. Okay. (laughs) Or like if you want to take up orange theory and try doing it five days a week, but you've never done orange theory before, that's a really, really high intensity workout that a lot of people, you know, take some time adjusting to. So it's not the right time to start something new, but if you've already been running 10 miles a day or Um, doing really heavy weightlifting, you can still do it as long as it feels good to you. Mm -hmm. So my doctor did say there are a few things you want to keep your heart rate a little bit lower than normal. So for me, I used to love when my heart rate would be like 185. Like, let's get that as high as possible. Um, So of course, you know, you don't want to feel like you're about to have a heart attack. He did say that the good range for pregnant women is about 150 to 160 as your highest, like, you know, tap out point. So I never you know, let my um, my heart rate get higher than that. And then of course, what I kind of touched on a little bit earlier is as you get bigger, you're not gonna have any choice other than to substitute and modify things because number one, your belly literally is in the way and you can't do the things you did before. And also because you'll feel that little bit of tight pressure and it doesn't feel comfortable when your abs are contracting like in burpees, pushups, planks, et cetera, you wanna avoid that ab separation. So he did say, as you get farther along, you will wanna start just not doing those at all. But in terms of working out like you did before, you absolutely, as long as you don't have an injury or you don't have a specific, um, not issue with your pregnancy, but complication that would prohibit you from doing those things, you absolutely can do all the things that you did before as long as it feels good for you and your baby.
2: I feel like I would just not even be able to do a mountain climber and like cross my body anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't feel comfy. Let me tell you, you feel like it's just it's not good. It's just too much going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take
1: any excuse not to do a burpee, so I'm good with that.
0: See, I'm a burpee girl. I love burpees. I don't know why. I do them all the time, but I can't
1: say I'm like in a happy place when I do it.
2: It's. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I just go to a weird place, I think. (laughs)
2: What about caffeine? I feel like this is like one of the most common myths that I hear other than the two that I, that you've already talked through,
0: but can you have like a cup? So this is another one that I was personally freaking out about and it's completely wrong. And I still see women getting this false information that you have to cut caffeine completely when you're pregnant. That is old old research that they did back in like I think it was like 1970 that they had done a study um and and they had found a correlation between I want to say like miscarriage and and drinking coffee and so then everyone in the world thought that that meant you can't drink coffee. Well that is old news. The American Pregnancy Association has come out with numerous new updated studies that proved that to be not true. Um, it was it was just, they shouldn't have even put that study out back then, and it scared everyone. So basically, um, the APA recommends that you have an intake below 200 milligrams of caffeine per day, which is about two cups of coffee. And I don't even drink two cups. I mean, some days I do. Today I did, don't tell anyone. I had to like have a second cup before this podcast (laughs) to like get my energy up because the energy is, it's tough these days, guys. Lacking. Yeah, but um, I spoke with my doctor about this a few times and I kept saying, are you sure it's okay? Are you sure it's okay? And he's like, you can have up to 200 milligrams every single day and it is 100% fine. Please don't worry about this. Um, So of course, again, discuss it with your doctor. If you're really sensitive to caffeine, Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that you should drink all of the 200 milligrams because then maybe you'll feel a little spazzy and Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe you shouldn't be drinking it to begin with, (laughs) Nonetheless, if you're pregnant. But in terms of cutting it when you're pregnant, you do not need to cut out caffeine. Um, it just isn't true. So that's Mm -hmm. very exciting. That would be
1: my biggest fear too. And it should be everyone's fear around me to not have caffeine too. So
2: yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. Let's throw the last one at them. So give us some information on sugar and how it can cause, um, diabetes.
0: Is that true? Perfect. So gestational diabetes is something that women get during pregnancy only. It is not the same thing as normal diabetes. Um, you can get gestational diabetes during pregnancy and then it goes away completely as soon as the pregnancy is over. Um, we take this test uh, at about 26 weeks and you basically go and you drink this disgusting sugary drink, right? It's like, I think it's 75 grams oh of God. sugar and yeah. And so you have to go, oh. you go to the doctor, you drink this drink. And of course, everyone's hyped it up to be like the most disgusting thing you've ever tasted. To me, it just tasted like a really sugary flat soda, And I just chugged it because I was like, I'm not sipping this, this is, no. So I just chugged it down and then you basically wait one hour and then they draw your blood and you'll get your results in a few days. And this determines um, if you have gestational diabetes. And so during pregnancy, the placenta will produce a hormone that's resistant to insulin. And that's why the sugar levels are checked at different stages. And if a pregnant woman's blood sugar is elevated too much, then that's when you're diagnosed but it can be lowered with a fixed controlled diet. And so people make this assumption that um if oh I ate too much sugar the day before my test I'm going to test positive or oh I've really been enjoying waffles this pregnancy like am I going to have gestational diabetes? And yes, of course your diet leading up to the test is going to influence it but it's not, it's not the determining factor. You're either going to have it or you aren't. Um, and it's really has to do with your placenta and how much of the hormone it's, it's producing. And I just don't want people to be worried about eating sugar and thinking, of course, don't go eat all the sugar, but it's okay to have some in moderation. Um, It does not directly cause you to have gestational diabetes. So that was just a really big myth that I feel like everyone in the pregnancy world thinks. I see women posting it all the time. I think I'm eating too much sugar. Am I going to get GD? And so the answer is no, not directly because of only what you're eating. Some people are mm-hmm. predisposed to it. And it also, it can be um hereditary. So I know a lot of people who, whose mom may have had it and then they got it. So I know that it can be passed down, which is unfortunate, but it's just mm-hmm. the way that it is. So do your best to not eat tons and tons of sugar, but also just remember that it can be controlled afterwards. If you are diagnosed, it's not the end all, be all. You just will have to um, have a, a strict diet that you'll follow, um, and you know check those blood sugar levels until the end of your pregnancy. Good. Give me all the sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So I feel like this is
1: a hot topic as well. And um, we've actually had several women in our program that are breastfeeding while they're tracking their macros. So what um, what changes need to be made if you are breastfeeding and you're trying to track and, um, you know, any other information you can give to anyone out there?
0: Yeah, so I'm just gonna, I kind of compiled a list. I'm just gonna kind of list off some things that I found. Obviously, I... I'm not breastfeeding yet, but I'm planning on it and um so I kind of wanted to dive into this as well and find some some good facts. So first of all, um the first month of having a new baby from what I've heard is just you are like all over the place. So don't expect to like get discharged from the hospital and go home and start tracking your macros, okay? It's going to take you a while to get into your new routine. And so in terms of nutrition for your milk supply directly, they want you to wait until your milk has come in. Basically, that means that like you're you're producing milk and and the baby's getting enough food because it takes a little bit of adjustment in the beginning to make sure that that baby is getting the right amount of food and milk and everything like that. So wait until six weeks at least to start kind of thinking about getting back on the macro you know, train just to make sure that you've established a good milk supply and you, um, have milk coming in. And, you know, if you don't, you may have to go see a lactation consultant to kind of discuss your options. Uh, maybe you're eating too little of calories. I know that, you know that's a big issue. That was kind of my next thing I was gonna segue into is adding in calories. This is where you're gonna add in at Mm -hmm. least two to 400 calories. You are gonna be starving. Everyone always says that like breastfeeding makes you ravenous, like Mm -hmm. you're constantly snacking and you have to be because the baby is quite literally sucking the nutrients out of you. And so you have to constantly be eating and eating. Um, And so it's really important to be eating enough never yeah. diet during this time and like it, you know you can still be healthy and you know lose some of the baby weight as you progress in your breastfeeding journey but this is not a time to be like cutting calories because it will affect your milk supply and so if you have a goal of breastfeeding your baby you have to give yourself enough calories otherwise your milk will it will go away mm-hmm. it will dry up
2: yeah i've had clients come back usually at this time um to your point lexis it's typically more like eight to 10 weeks probably, Um, you know, and it's probably their, you know, the couple of women that I've had, it's like their second or third kid and they're ready to like bounce back because they know what to expect. Um, But we always do the two to 400 Mm -hmm. calorie rule. It's typically more like 400 because... We're definitely more lifestyle-based and not about that deficit whatsoever. <laughs> and I was going <laughs> to totally. add, I mean, your metabolism is going so freaking
1: fast that you're, the weight is yes. naturally going to come off. So like like we've right. all been talking, this is not the time to, you know, be obsessive of losing all the baby weight. It's, it's going to happen mm-hmm. um, naturally and just kind of
0: give it time. Right. Absolutely. So a few other things I think to focus on um, – Keeping your protein high—that has been—I feel like throughout the whole pregnancy, it's important to keep good, good protein. But right now, um, if you're breastfeeding, keeping your protein high is really important, and also the food quality. So you have to realize throughout your whole pregnancy that basically everything that you're eating, right, is 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 essentially going into the baby, and the baby is getting that food. Well, the same thing happens when you're breastfeeding, right? I mean, you're whatever you're eating is 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 in your milk and it's being fed to this baby. And so the food quality matters, meaning if you can get organic meats, get organic meats, um, organic dairy, things like that. So just finding good sources to get your food. You don't wanna be getting, um, I don't know, low grade meat and stuff like that. So that's important. Listening to your hunger cues, Um, And hydrating. I've heard also that your thirst level is out of control during this time. Um, Again, I don't know yet. So I cannot report on that. But I've just heard that like, you can't keep water bottles around you enough and you're just filling them up all day long. And it's just really, really, really important for both you and for keeping that milk supply high to be really, really hydrated throughout the whole day. So way more water than you would normally drink if you weren't pregnant or before pregnancy or anything like that. And then the last little tip that I added in here, just from personal um, recommendations, I have a few friends who just gave birth and they had prepared before the baby came, um, some lactation cookies and energy balls, um, to freeze. And then that way when the baby came, they could have those for some snacks while they were breastfeeding. These, um, usually will contain oats, Flax seed, chia seed, and then brewer's yeast. These are all um, ingredients that are apparently really good at ramping up your milk supply. And so I had friends that made a bunch of cookies and a bunch of um, energy balls and again put them in the freezer. And they said that it's been a lifesaver for them in the middle of the night when they're feeding or if they're just like ravenous and need a snack. It's been really helpful and they have noticed an increase in their milk supply. So I don't know hmm. if it is just a coincidence or if they really work, but I'm for sure going to put that on my list of things to do before, before baby comes so that I'm prepared <laughs> with all my snacks because I know I'm going to be hungry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Such good tips. Man, I feel like and I already these. do yeah. that.
0: So that'll come easy to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and then one last thing, um, just kind of not necessarily breastfeeding related, but just another tip really quickly, kind of, To go off of the lactation cookie idea is just to um, prep a bunch of meals, freezer meals before baby comes as well. So um, if you can do like lasagna or like chili, anything that will freeze, try and do like a meal a week and obviously label it, put a date on it and freeze it so that your freezer is just stocked. Because from what I've heard, the first month with a newborn is survival mode, right? And I'm not going to be coming in the kitchen and like cooking, whipping up my meals. I'm going to be like- Someone help me feed me. Like, (laughs) I so basically, I just have been getting a lot of tips from people to say, you know, really start preparing those meals ahead of time, get some of your favorite meals cooked, ready, done, put in the freezer. And that way, you know, your husband can help you. He can pop one out, defrost it. And then you don't need to worry about having, you know, meals on hand because it's just too much to um, expect yourself to have the energy to kind of be cooking Mm -hmm. during that time. So I just think that that's a really, Awesome little tip for um, anyone who's about to be expecting a baby. Awesome! I feel like I learned so much today. So much.
1: Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so Damn. glad. <laughs> well, should we wrap it up and tie a
0: little bow on top? Let's Absolutely. Do it. I feel like we covered so much today. Um, just starting from pre-baby, if you're trying to conceive, you know, tips and tricks all the way through my pregn- pregnancy journey and what it's been like for me, and then you know finishing it off with tips for breastfeeding moms. I just want you to remember that every person's journey and experience is so different. Um, I know that I have friends who have loved their pregnancy. I have friends who have hated their pregnancy. Everyone, There's just such a range, uh, mm-hmm. and there's no right way or wrong way. Mm-hmm. I personally have had just the most amazing experience, and I've loved every second of it. Um, I am just so excited for birth. I I just can't wait. I'm preparing for a natural birth. So that's been a whole nother <laughs> journey. Um, oh God, <laughs> Zan's face right that. now, guys. <laughs> Give me yeah, all the drugs. So I'm preparing for all natural all birth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's been an interesting part because my husband and I are taking a lot of like online birth classes right now to kind of prepare for that and get in the right headspace and doing a lot of birth affirmations and all the things. Um, So every there is no right way. There is no wrong way. If you want to have an epidural, great. If yeah. you don't, great. If you want to breastfeed, amazing. If not, formula mm-hmm. is there for a reason. So mm-hmm. just remember that every single journey from getting the positive pregnancy test all the way through your child being 18 years old. I mean, there's just so many different ways mm-hmm. to go about it and we are here to support you as as coaches no matter what stage you're in and no matter what you decide to do, it we're just here for you. And it's it's an mm-hmm. exciting time and there's just so much that I've learned through this pregnancy and I hope that I was able to I don't know, teach some things and yeah. give insight. Love We're it. so excited for you. Yay! Thanks, guys.
1: And you know what we got to end with, guys. Oh, Is yes. anyone ever going to sing it? Someone's got to.
0: Teach me, <laughs> teach me the song. I'll <laughs> sing it. There's no song. Macro half the Macro Yes.
2: Oh, my God. I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. too cute. Shall shall I start us off?
0: You start us off, Sam. So
1: this past weekend, it's finally like nice weather. Um, My roommates and I whipped out the barbecue. And I was like, you know what? It has been so long since I barbecued my vegetables. Oh, my freaking God. (laughs) Like, I forgot how good, (gasps) like how much better they taste. And so I cannot recommend enough, especially if you are not someone who truly loves vegetables, um, try throwing them on the grill. It is a game changer and I I don't really know why, like why it's so much better than oven baking or pan frying, but um, I can't eat enough vegetables this week and I'm so happy I did it. So I wanted to throw that one. Everything is better on the grill. Oh my god, God. I did butternut squash and I'm like, holy crap, it
2: tastes like dessert for some
1: reason.
2: (laughs) Yes, seriously, like even chicken tastes like candy. I'm like, I I, I don't even really like chicken that much, but when it's Uh, grilled, yeah, game changer. The grill
0: marks, oh, it's just so so satisfying.
2: (laughs) Anyway, that's mine. (laughs) Yum. Speaking of veggies, I have taken my macro hack this week from Madeline moves Instagram because she's just inspiration all around, but, um, she is always buying frozen vegetables or like frozen things in general, um, like veggie pasta that I just bought. And while I prefer to buy fresh, sometimes when I'm in meetings from 8am to 8pm, it is really nice to have a whole bunch of frozen vegetables. So I would highly recommend don't be afraid of the freezer aisle stock up when you can right now. Some of mine are cauliflower rice. As I mentioned that vegetable pasta, I don't even know what's in it. Like, I don't even know what makes up the vegetable pasta, but it actually looks pretty decent. Um, I have like this Asian medley blend of vegetables And then I have like peas, corn, and things of that nature. So it's just good to have on hand for when I don't want things to spoil or I need a really quick side or base to my meal. High
0: volume, ladies. It's the way to go. Love it. Yes. I love that tip. What's yours, Lexus? So I'm going to end with seasoning your food. I'm talking a lot. Because when you season your food properly, it takes a boring meal to delicious and like (laughs) 0.3 seconds it is so important for you to season your food i i can't stress that enough for example every morning lately i'm having like my same breakfast which is just toast with turkey laughing cow cheese and egg whites on the top with like a bunch of sauce but you have to season the egg whites you can't just Mm -hmm. do egg whites and expect them to taste like heaven with nothing on them so i do like onion salt, garlic powder, red hot or like the red uh, chili flakes. I do the um, everything but the elote Mm. seasoning from Trader Joe's. I do everything but the bagel. I mean, there are so (laughs) many seasonings on these egg whites. I don't even know what I have going on, but they taste (laughs) so much better when they're properly seasoned. And that goes for so many things, not just eggs, but especially proteins, veggies. Um, it's just really important to remember that you can add so many great things to a really boring meal to make it not so boring. Cottage cheese. I put so much seasoning in my cottage cheese to make it really flavorful. Um, and it's just it's just an easy way to make something you don't really want to eat into something you really Love do want to <laughs> eat.
2: So Love true. Yes.
0: And macro-friendly. Yes. And macro-friendly. That's Absolutely. the best yeah. part.
2: I forgot to <laughs> yeah. mention that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well. Paige, since you are the host next week, why don't you let
2: us know what we're going to be talking yes. about? Woo-hoo! All right, you guys. Next episode, we are going to be talking about diet culture. The term diet, I feel like, has been around since I was born in the 90s, and it is not going anywhere anytime soon, right? Um, anywhere from keto to paleo to macros, is that a diet? Um, We've touched on that a little bit in our earlier podcast episodes, but really wanting to break down that diet doesn't always need to be a negative term, um, and why macros can kind of be your non-diet diet. diet. So, little play on words for you all, but you get the picture. Um, Can't wait to talk about it with you guys. I am excited. Thanks yes. again, Lexus. Thank you did you. great.
0: Woohoo! Thanks, guys. <laughs> Sorry if I was a little out of breath at all. Oh,
2: my God. I'm <laughs> always out of breath. I'm She's kicking like... me
0: <laughs> in my ribs constantly. So it's just, it is what it is at this point. <sighs> oh, my God. So cute. But thank you so much for listening. And I had so much fun sharing. <laughs> Have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Goodbye.